clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. There's a prayer. to the end zone, which is fought for by Tate with Jennings simultaneous. Who has it? Who do they give it to? Touchdown! Welcome to week 15 of the NFL. You're listening to Simultaneous Catch. My name is Josh Lapping. I am flying solo today. Mr. Adam Rossi, it is his birthday week, so he has the week off. So you are stuck with me, but I promise we are going to make it a great episode. Wow, week 15 already. Two weeks left. Three, if you include this week, left of the regular season. Time short as fly, doesn't it? We are less than 10 days away from Christmas already. Wow, time is just flying. It's a real weird year, obviously. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we're just in this weird space where it seems like it's been 70 million years, but it also felt like it's gone like in a snap. So real, real weird. But regardless, I hope all of you that are listening are staying safe, staying healthy, uh, what better things to do than just tucker in to your living room and listen to simultaneous catch and enjoy some NFL football, right? So let's get this started off. I do have a solo rant for you guys today. So get ready for this one. And I am going to be talking about caller and quote unquote expert opinion bias. And uh, a lot of this stems from one Patrick Mahomes. Now, when I'm talking about this rant, this is not uh, taking anything away from Mahomes. He's obviously the best quarterback in the NFL very well could go down as the greatest of all time based on what we've seen early on in his career but I am getting a little uh, tired of the look at what Mahomes can do you can't keep Mahomes down for for so long this is obviously stemming from the the Miami Dolphins game which I will talk about in a little while but it's just it's so frustrating to think about the praise that some people heap on a player like this when the victory by the Chiefs on on Sunday was clearly a team effort. Patrick Mahomes does play a role, obviously, in, in the success that the team has so often more than not. But an example like Sunday where Patrick Mahomes was really struggling and yet we heap this praise on him and it creates these 
un in my opinion unwarranted narratives that he's just the the, the second coming or something it, it's just a little bit unfair i think we should be able to step back and appreciate what mahomes is but also be able to step back and be like whoa mahomes really struggled an example of this bias i could say is both Tua Tungavailoa and Patrick Mahomes had very, very similar plays where they took a shot for their guy deep. Miami, Jakeem Grant, Kansas City, Tyree Kill. The corner stuck with them, and then the safety also moved over. Both defenders were there for their wide receiver to be covering. Jakeem Grant, being 5'7", batted his ball up in the air. Uh, and it got intercepted by Tyron Matthew, and the commentators are saying, oh, well, there, there we go, there's a rookie mistake. The same thing happens to Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill. It doesn't get batted up in the air for an interception, but the narrative was, oh, Mahomes missed just by that much. That's just that's just frustrating. It's frustrating that we, we pick and choose that we need to create these narratives to try to make these guys more popular or seem better than they are we already know as fans how good they are we don't need to be force-fed these these silly things we can see the greatness that's unfurling in front of us just let us sit back and enjoy it let these guys out on the field continue to create their own legacies we don't need for you guys to be sitting there trying to force feed us to think that they're more amazing than they are we already know how great that they are so um, I'm just thinking that unless you're a Kansas City fan, these are the sorts of things that make us as fans start to kind of, I'm trying to think of the word, kind of think about like, ah, oh, this player again, ah, oh, this guy. It's it's very similar to what Tom Brady was earlier on in his career, and, and Adam was the first to point that out as, as the diehard Buffalo fan that he is that no matter how well Buffalo played, no matter how well they befuddled Brady in his games, they would always be, no matter what the circumstance would be, it's like, oh, here's the greatness of Brady, can't keep him down for long. And it's just a little bit frustrating. So I say, let's just give credit where credit is due. And obviously there were some plays that uh, only great quarterbacks can, can make that happened in that game. And obviously he is a great quarterback. But let's just... Let's let them control the narratives instead of trying to force-feed it. That's all I'm asking. Whew. I know that was a little more of a quiet rant. I'm trying to be a little more controlled right now. So we'll see what happens for the rest of the episode. Let's recap a couple of the games that we saw in the NFL in Week 14 because we were treated to some really, really, really good ones. Let's start off with probably, in my opinion, gets vote for the best game of the year, the Ravens and Browns game. The final score was 47 to 42. Really, in my opinion, it was 45 to 42. Uh, after their silly, the Cleveland Browns silly run around trying to make a play, ended in a safety on the last play of the game uh, play. Regardless, we what we saw on Monday night that was movie-esque, in my opinion. Let's break down some stats real quick for us. Lamar Jackson didn't have the best day passing the football. 11-17, 163 yards and a touchdown. Baker Mayfield, 28-47 uh, of 47 for 343, two touchdowns and one interception. But 
where Lamar didn't have the padded stats through the air. Oh my goodness, did he eat on the ground, and that is something that we've really come to expect from him. We haven't seen it too much this year. We saw it so much last year during his MVP campaign, but took the ball nine times for 124 yards and two touchdowns. That is almost 14 yards per tout. That truly was amazing. But beyond all of the greatness that we saw from these two quarterbacks running, passing, really the story was when the score was so, so tight, Trace McSorley came trotting out on the field, and we're all sitting there being like, wait, what happened? Did Lamar get hurt? And we see the video of him running back into the locker room. Uh, Trace lasts... I, I, I'm pretty positive it was just one drive. I can't even remember if he came out for this, uh, a second one. It may have been a second one. They went three and out. Cleveland got the ball back, scored, took the lead, came back out, got injured on a third down. So it's fourth down and five to go, I believe. And Lamar Jackson comes trotting back out. Harbaugh's super aggressive, sends Lamar out on a fourth and five to say, we need this. We can't go down by any more. We're already down. Go make this happen. Lamar rolls out of the pocket. Looks like he's going to pick up an easy five yards to just get the first down. But instead, he floats to Hollywood Brown, who's been struggling really so much for the entire day. And Hollywood Brown is Hollywood Brown. Takes it, scores a touchdown on fourth and five when Baltimore needs it more so than ever. But hang on a second. Baker Mayfield... And these spunky Browns that I've been down on for for years go down, I think it was four plays, scores a touchdown to take the lead back once again. No, take. I'm sorry, to tie up the game. But hang on, we're not done yet. There's still a minute left on the clock. And I say, Adam, they left too much time on the clock. They did that too quickly. That was way too good. Lamar comes back out, hits Mark Andrews for a couple plays, and they send out our guy that we love on the show, the opera singer Justin Tucker, who, in a situation like that, I would not want any other kicker in the NFL to nail, I believe it was a 45-yarder something, 55, I think it might have been 55, it was not beyond 60, no other kicker I'd want to to send that game into a victory. 45 points. Now, a lot of people have been speculating about what was going on with Jackson. There has been a lot of jokes about him having to uh, use the restroom. He, he is very vehement that he did not pull a Paul Pierce uh, going back to the former Boston Celtics star during the 2008 playoffs game. You know what? It was officially ruled as cramps. Uh, he needed some some IV. He says possibly it's related to him having COVID. A few, excuse me, a few weeks ago, it's very very possible. But you know what? Even if it is something as as silly or as human esque as him having to use the restroom, you know it doesn't. It does not matter. Lamar Jackson, you cemented something so 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 magnificent on Monday night. You came out, your team was down, you clearly saw that you were the leader of the team. You came out in a magnificent magic moment. 
fourth down, and it wasn't fourth down and one where you could just jump over the pile. It was fourth down and five. That's very hard to convert, and you did it. It doesn't matter, you know, if you were using the bathroom. It doesn't matter if you needed an IV. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. The thing that matters is that you got the job done. It was a magnificent game. Like I said, my vote for game of the year this year. It was awesome to see just tip my cap to to Baltimore and as a Dolphins fan that that really hurts Miami's chance for a playoff bid but it, it just does not matter I think I was completely happy I was rooting for Baltimore um, because of my Browns bias which probably at this point is a little unwarranted they're obviously doing extremely well I have to tip my cap to them as well this is what I wanted to see from the Cleveland Browns in the first game of the year against Baltimore they got routed Cleveland did not play well against Pittsburgh, who is struggling a little bit right now. I wanted to see them come out and have a complete game against a playoff-caliber team, and they did. They really proved something really, really huge to me. I know a lot of teams don't love moral victories. I do think moral victories are a big deal. I think to show that you can hang around and, and compete, and if you play this game... 10 times I think it's a split I think it's five and five you know I really just feel really good if I'm a Browns fan right now as you gear up to go into the playoffs for the first time in what 25 years so I say take that moral victory and you run with it so tip my cap to Lamar pull a Paul Pierce I don't care I tip my cap to Baker Mayfield Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt they all did amazing amazing jobs so you know what great game vote game of the year from me let's go to the sunday night game we got to give mr adam rossi some props uh real close to his birthday the pittsburgh steelers traveled in to take on the buffalo bills the bills won the game 26 to 15 josh allen 24 43 for 238 two touchdowns and a pick Big Ben, 21 of 37, 187 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Man, Pittsburgh, you are reeling a little bit, but you know what? We're going to talk about that in just a hot second. But right now, I need to give some mad props to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, a lot of people right now, uh, just because I've heard it touted so many times as Adam's watching his his Bills coverage and everything right now, some people are saying the Bills are the best team in the NFL. I'm not quite ready to go that far. Uh, I definitely think they are absolutely top five. And... Buffalo fans, that's a real big deal. That's a real big deal for a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in uh, 25 years as well. I believe it was 1995. So that is a big deal. Uh, celebrate. Josh Allen is turning it on. Still has a penchant for some silly plays, but right now the team is so good that they are overcoming that. I'll be real excited to see what this team does come playoff time. And really, I, I I don't see them as winning the Super Bowl. I don't see them challenging. I, I shouldn't say challenging. They are going to challenge absolutely the Chiefs. I don't see them beating the Chiefs. But that'd be a fun, fun, fun game. Anything can happen come playoff time. So let's sit back and enjoy the ride. That's the most important thing. I think we need to stop assigning 
expectations and and things to the team when they're an extremely young team i think right now we just need to be like we are wonderful for the first time in 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 so long let's not push it let's enjoy it let's let's revel in it that's my opinion uh certainly not something that a lot of fans may feel is the most awesome thing but that is absolutely my opinion as as the way to go let's shift gears and focus on the pittsburgh steelers losers of two in a row so the first thing i want to talk about is where did the running game go pittsburgh all right in the first six games of the season the pittsburgh steelers were averaging 130 rushing yards per game with over four yards per attempt both really really good metrics of 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 success since then though they're in the bottom of the league in both of those areas and i really do feel like the running game is what pittsburgh needs more so i mean when i think about the pittsburgh steelers i think about hard-nosed defense and i think about running the football i think about all of those guys the bus i think about even maybe guys that were for were less popular than than him i thought richard mendenhall whatever happened to him by the way was a really great running back ben has always just had a good running back to be able to turn around give the ball pick up four five yards and and operate from there i understand that the have shifted a little bit of their offensive mindset to quick passes kind of operate as the running game randy finkter has gotten a lot of these wide receivers they have a really good wide receiver core for it if they catch the ball deontay johnson looking at you once again he did respond pretty well to his benching mid-game against buffalo i will say but right now they just they need that running game i think it hurts why why has it fallen off and obviously what I'm about to say is a much more compact piece of evidence than going back to week six. And and obviously, I'm not making excuses for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think anybody would. I don't think the players would. I don't think Mike Tomlin would. But let's think about this this way. I think it's really, really fascinating to think about this. After, uh, let, me, let me think about how I want to say this. This is going to be Pittsburgh's first full week of practice since week 12. I think that's pretty crazy. Like I said at the beginning of the show, this is week 15. This is going to be the first full week since week 12. There's a popular adage out there about the NFL that after you play the game, you feel like you've gotten hit by, you've been in a car accident, you've been hit by a car. Think about that. So the Pittsburgh Steelers played on December 2nd, 7th, and then 13th. So, you're driving to work one day, and you're driving on a Tuesday, and you get into a car accident. You're a little banged up, you're okay, but so uh, then five days later, if you include the second, if you don't include the second, it's been four days, you're driving to work again, oh, you got hit by another car, oh my gosh, you are, you're, you're hurting, you're hurting pretty bad, but it's okay, I mean, you're not in the hospital, you're just real banged up, you're bruised, you're sore. So then, uh, you know, five days later, six days later, you're just driving to work again. Boom, another car accident. Oh, my gosh. Unlucky. I feel like you are not going to be out there being like, you know what? Let's take on the world, right? Because of everything that has been forced on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember, they had to take their bye week extremely early due to the COVID schedule changes. That's what they've been dealing with. 
think about the players that that's going to impact the most. I think the defenders who are running, hitting the ball carriers and the running backs. Running backs, obviously, they have a shorter shelf life, if you will, in the NFL. That's because pretty much, unless they're running out into the flat, they are going to be taking on contact every single play, whether or not they're the ball carrier being tackled or they are running for a block. They are going to take on a defender, a person, a body every single play. So does it make sense that Pittsburgh's struggling in some of these areas? Their defense has not looked quite as stout. Their running game has fallen off. I think it does. I think we will see a response. They have still three weeks to get this figured out. They have their first full week of practice, some time off coming up here after this game. Luckily, it's not too daunting of a game against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are certainly reeling since Joe Burrow went down on Monday. I should say they are playing on Monday. Joe Burrow didn't go down on Monday, but regardless. So, uh, but divisional games, they're tough. Obviously, we talk about it all the time, but hopefully they can get back on track. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, get back on track uh, in that game. Not using the time schedule as an example, or an excuse, I should say, but certainly could be an example as to why they are struggling. But also, you know what this means to me? Bud Dupree, a a player that uh, took uh, a handful of years to kind of come on to live up to his draft status, obviously went down with injury a couple weeks ago, but we now see how valuable he is to the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense, and we'll see what that translates into into his contract. I'm pretty positive he was playing on a tag this year, so we'll see if he's back, if he can transform this. I know he's injured, be coming off a, a serious injury, but if he can make this into a big-time contract in another organization, we'll see. But obviously, with some of these struggles about getting to the quarterback, he has shown how valuable he is this year. Obviously came on really, really strong last year and was was capitalizing even more this year. Went down like a lot of other key pieces to that Pittsburgh Steelers defense. But, you know, injuries are not an excuse. Coaching has to figure out how to get these guys uh, up and going. And I think Tomlin's a great guy to, to do that. Let's shift focus here for a quick second. I'm going to bring back a segment that we have not done all year, and that is crushing it. Going back to the start of the episode, I'm going to talk about the Miami Dolphins and how they gave Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs fits for, you know, not only the first 10 minutes. It could be real easy to be like, no, they dominated for the first 10 minutes and then didn't do anything. But I think they truly played their hearts out. They intercepted Patrick Mahomes three times. That is the first multiple interception game of the season for Mahomes, who is obviously in the thick of the MVP race, the conversation. They also sacked him for a 30-yard loss. That is the longest sack in the NFL in the last 20 three years goes back to October 12th 1997 when you find a quarterback that was last sacked for 30 yards and lost 30 yards I should say in a game here's a weird stat for you though since 1994 there have been eight players where the team lost at least 28 yards on a sack 
three of them have been this year. I think that's really, really weird. Mahomes, obviously. Falco, Flacco, I should say. Falco, yeah, Shane Falco, everybody. Joe Flacco also against the Dolphins. And then Mitch Trubisky in the Bears opener against the Lions was sacked for that much yard yardage. But it's it's real weird because a lot of these times it'll be a guy that gets sacked and they fumble the football, it rolls back, and eventually it gets picked up, and then it goes down as the sack yardage, right? Not so much with, uh, I mean, not, not at all with this Mahomes sack. He was just run around Jerome Baker, who played a heck of a game, uh, put on the Jets and and sacked him for, for that yardage. I believe it was like fourth and 42. You see that very, very rarely in the NFL. So you know what? Maybe, like I said, with the Baltimore Ravens winning the game on Monday, they don't get it done. The Miami Dolphins in the playoff chase. But as a Dolphins fan, you have to feel so good about what Flores is bringing, the coaching, how it's turned around. We were talking about a historically bad defense uh, just last year. And to see these guys buy into what Coach Flo is, is preaching and and the turnaround, it's just you have to feel really, really good. Again, some people don't believe in moral victories. I absolutely do. I considered it a complete win. All I wanted was for it not to be a rout, which it wasn't. Uh, it did get ugly there for a couple of minutes, but the, the team fought. And you know what? For for a team that was down, their top three running backs lost their top two wide receivers, lost their top tight end. They showed a lot of fight, and I absolutely thought they were crushing it. So that was crushing it. The Miami Dolphins defense, you know what, but the Miami Dolphins organization as a whole. Let's get into some news from around the NFL. So Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants, did test positive for COVID. He will not be playing or he will not be calling the plays uh, when the Giants take on the Browns on Sunday night football, a game that got flexed, uh, tight ends coach Freddie Kitchens, everybody. Here we go. The return of the kitchen man is going to be calling the plays. Obviously a role that he knows well. He didn't exactly pan out as a head coach, but did really, really well a couple years ago calling plays for Baker Mayfield, and that is obviously what uh, elevated him to the head coach position there in Cleveland. So going to be stepping in, calling plays for for Colt McCoy because I'm pretty positive Daniel Jones is not going to be playing against the Browns. So we got some revenge game against the Browns with Colt McCoy. So no Jason Garrett. I don't know if I think that's a bad thing. I don't know. We'll have to see. I think Freddie Kitchens is a great offensive mind and can play call things really well. Did not think he was a great head coach. think he can play or call plays very, very well. So here we go. Let's see what you got, Kitchens. Other news from around the NFL. The NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and the owners had their 12th annual meeting. Uh, that wrapped up yesterday on Wednesday. One of the most popular things that they were talking about was adding a 17th game to the schedule for just next year. Now, they did not vote on it. They are not committing to it, uh, but they are talking about it. I think that's a, a super interesting thing in theory. I don't know how the players would feel about it. I feel like most of them would be against it, 
I'm curious though, if they do that, does that add an extra bye to, so do teams get two bye weeks? I don't know. I guess if you add a 17th game, they're literally playing a 17th game, but do they get that extra week of rest? I think if they did, I'm all for it, but we need to make sure we're protecting the players, giving them time to rest, their bodies to heal. I think going back to the the Pittsburgh Steelers example, we need to make sure that we are giving these guys time, bodies to heal and rejuvenate and be out there on the field playing 100% or as close to 100%. You know, there's also no one's ever fully healthy. So, but also out of that, that a lot of teams have expressed that they're very, very comfortable with the uh, virtual off-season trading and, and things that were done this off-season, obviously due to COVID. It sounds like that might be something that we see more post-COVID. Isn't it weird to think about after it's been it's been nine months of COVID, there is going to be a post-COVID, everybody. The vaccines are coming out. Uh, people are, are, are receiving them. Hopefully, if if you're comfortable, you will also receive one when available. Uh, so there is going to be a post-COVID. But um, so related to that, we are seeing that the NFL might continue with more virtual off-season training than, than in years past. And maybe this whole experiment that we saw this year could really become a staple in the NFL. Talking about some other guys that were placed on COVID. No, I actually feel really bad for Rojo, Ronald Jones, running back of the Buccaneers. Not only did he have finger surgery a couple days ago, but now he was placed on the COVID list. And that doesn't necessarily mean he was tested positive. Maybe he was just around it. Maybe there was something in the hospital that he was in that he got the surgery in, but he is now on the COVID reserve list. Rough couple of days for Ronald Jones, and I'm really curious. Obviously, the Buccaneers signed Leonard Fournette. He was a healthy scratch uh, against the Vikings. Did not suit up, but at least they have him. But Ronald Jones has really turned it on this year, so it does stink to see him not only get hurt, but then get on this list. So, possibility to come off the list, but obviously with finger surgery, you're... You're not going to be playing too much running back right away, regardless. Also on the Coven list, the Ravens place, wide receiver, that guy that we were just shouting out earlier, Hollywood Brown, uh, James Proach, Proach, Pronche, don't know, and Miles Boykin. So, Des Bryant coming back? I don't know. So those guys, obviously, for a team that is hitting their stride right now, that does hurt. Uh, again, this does not mean they were tested positive. It could mean they were in close proximity. So if they continue to have negative tests, they could certainly come back to play uh, this weekend. We will have to see about that. How about this news? This could also be crushing it news because this is crazy to me. The Lions center, Frank Ragnow, um, he suffered a fractured throat in the first quarter of the game against the Green Bay Packers, and he played the rest of the game. He did not give up a sack. What? That's crazy. We don't know if he's going to play this week. Um, you know, but just honestly, I mean, I don't even know what it means to fracture your throat, but then to continue playing the rest of the game and to play really, really effectively, that is just nuts. 
just nuts. Like I said, Daniel Jones. Well, you know, we, no, no, I, I can't even move on from that. We just have to take a second to appreciate the the determination, the toughness, the love of the game that a man like Frank Ragnow has to have. And uh, he's been having a great season. I say give him a nod to the Pro Bowl right now. Deserves it. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, Daniel Jones' status is in doubt for Sunday, so uh, he suffered a sprained ankle on top of what was going on with him uh, on the Giants' loss to the Cardinals, a game that I predicted incorrectly, so I don't think he is going to be playing this week in primetime. Also, talking about another East team, Washington quarterback Alex Smith. He did get pulled out of the game um, with a calf injury. We saw Dwayne Haskins come in, not play well at all, and um, his status is is a little bit questionable. Uh, I think he has been practicing this week, so we'll have to see if he, he gets ready to go, but this is a team that's certainly in the driver's seat to win the division right now. I think Alex Smith is more important than ever. I think he has cemented his place as a starter in definitely that team. I don't know if I would be as confident to say the league. It's been mixed results, but I think definitely, definitely, definitely the leader and the starter of the Washington football team. Uh, so much respect to him. Absolutely the comeback player of the year. No doubt about it in my mind. Luckily, that injury has nothing to do with his surgically repaired leg. has nothing to do with that, so it's not uh, a matter of worrying about that. So that is good. We'll see if Alex Smith is on the field come Sunday. Drew Brees did practice. He is returning to practice, maybe in time to take on those Kansas City Chiefs. That's a huge game. The Chiefs are traveling down to take on the Saints. News not as good for Christian McCaffrey. He did not practice. His status is in doubt for playing on Saturday against the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, that has to really be a big blow. This was, and I know fantasy obviously plays such a small role in what we do, but the almost number one consensus guy, this is the guy that so many people said was the top back in the league. It has to be a real big blow, though. You know, just pretty much a wasted season, a lost season. I shouldn't say wasted, a lost season for Christian McCaffrey, one of the best young players that we have in the league. Obviously, we haven't lost a ton of production. Mike Davis has come in and played so, so well. It's been a really great surprise good for Mike Davis but still has to stink for Christian to know what you can bring to the field what you can bring to the Panthers but just has not been able he's been bit by the injury bug hard this year hopefully we can get it out and it does not become a reoccurring thing for him in his career this is just a one-time thing and we can move forward but still like I said a lost season for one of the brightest young stars in the NFL and that that does stink a little bit Let's get into some no-huddle notes uh, and talk about some games that are coming up this weekend. Let's start with the uh, Thursday night game that we're going to be treated here to shortly. The Chargers traveling to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. 
I'm really excited about this game. This is actually a game that I gave Adam and Pals picks, which we will highlight here shortly. But I'm really excited to see the Chargers, Anthony Lynn still being the head coach, Justin Herbert with his lack of a beautiful mane still uh, slinging the ball around pretty well, has slowed down a little bit, but still playing extremely well. They are traveling to take on Derek Carr and the new defensive coordinator, Rod Marinelli, after the defensive coordinator got fired after their shellacking last weekend. So, new defense, and here's a little stat for you. The Raiders' defense has allowed 37.5 points per game since week 11. So, in the last four weeks, they're allowing almost 40 points per game. That is a fireball offense. I, I definitely see it. We'll see if Rod Marinelli, a... Uh, uh, Definitely not a, a rookie mind in the NFL can get some something going from those guys. We'll have to see about that. The Chargers here, I say it every week when I talk about the Chargers, but they are 3-7 and seven in one-possession games this season. That's tied for the most such losses and games. That's 10 games. 10 games out of the 14 they've played have been one-possession games. That's obviously a good thing in terms of you're, you're still in the game but not a good thing in being able to capitalize finish it off and and you get in the winning record so eh. on the flip side let's talk about the Raiders offense they are averaging 26.9 so almost 27 pretty close to 27 almost there points per game this season their most since 2002 that is the year they lost the Super Bowl to Tampa, coached by John Gruden. But I know there's some talk going on right now about how, with everything going on, with the defense being so bad, that Gruden and Mayock have not fixed anything on the defensive side. You know what? I, I think that's really fascinating, especially when talking about John Gruden. Is that why John Gruden was brought to at the time, Oakland, now Las Vegas, to the Raiders to fix the defense? What? John Gruden is an offensive-minded guy. Obviously, he's a football head coach, so you need to be worrying about multiple areas of the football team, not just the offense, not just the defense, not just the special teams. That's not what the purpose of an NFL head coach is. But I just said it. The Raiders have been averaging the most points per game in the last 18 years. I don't want to hear anything about how John Gruden isn't doing a good job. This is an organization that hired him to come in and bring life to the team, and this is the best the Raiders have done in the last handful of years. They were good that year that Carr got injured before the playoffs, but the most offensive production, you know, it's just it's about getting the right defensive-minded guy now because we talked about it before the season, Mayock has done a good job of bringing defensive talent in. Right now, it's just not being utilized the way to their their fullest potential, but it's, it's very possible. So I want us to all lay off the, the Las Vegas Raiders for a second because they're doing a great job. They're certainly in play contention. We'll see what happens down the stretch. We'll see what happens in this game. I think this is going to be a really exciting game. This is going to be huge for the Raiders playoff push, obviously. But let's let let's come down saying that John Gruden isn't doing a good job, all right? Ooh, my goodness! I just I did not expect to defend John Gruden so vehemently there. Yeah, you know, weird day, weird day when you're by yourself. You just go on these little tyrants that you just don't expect. Let's reel it in, Josh. Reel it in. Whoa. I don't know what that was. It's okay. 
So, also about this game, the Chargers are 9 and 20 since 2019. Only four teams have been worse in that span. The Detroit Lions fired their head coach. The New York Jets, we assume they're going to fire their coach. Jacksonville maybe out on their head coach. We Adam said it a couple of weeks ago that he thinks Marone's going to be out and Cincinnati obviously had a rookie head coach last year. The number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, went down. Yikes. Like I said, I don't know if Lynn survives the season, but that is not a great stretch and definitely a difficult stretch for Chargers fans out there. Ugh, that's tough. That is tough. Let's move on to another game, the Texans taking on the Colts. You know what? A few weeks ago, I asked Adam in a cold read, I believe, if T.Y. Hilton was just done being an elite receiver. So let's talk about T.Y. Hilton here because we have to tip our cap to T.Y. Hilton. In weeks 1 through 11, he averaged 3 catches a game, 36.3 receiving yards per game, and averaged a little over 11 yards per catch. He had zero touchdowns on the year through 11 weeks. In the last two weeks, three weeks, I guess, technically, weeks 12, 13, and 14, he is averaging almost six catches a game, 92.3 receiving yards per game at over 16 yards per catch, and he's gotten into the end zone four times. T.Y. Hilton has had a resurgence the last three weeks, and it is so good to see I'm really happy for the guy because this is a guy that had all of the talent. He was amazing, had amazing chemistry with Andrew Luck, had a pretty good chemistry with Jacoby Brissett. Everything we were hearing in the offseason was that Philip Rivers loved this guy, and, and it didn't translate the first three quarters of the season. But right now he is turning it on. Things are are back with T.Y. Hilton, at least for that stretch. We'll see if it continues, but, you know, we just really have to be happy for T.Y. Hilton to see him to get back to, to being a really prominent NFL wide receiver. I think it's much warranted. I have much respect for him. He was always a wide receiver I liked a lot. I think Adam did as well, so it's definitely good to see him back being good. So it came out, um, I'm not sure if it was, he was asked the question yesterday, but Romeo Cronell was asked whether or not after the, the Texans are officially out of the playoff race, they don't have their first, second round picks, so there, there's no point in trying to, to win to get better. There's no point in losing to, to improve your picks. If they were going to sit Deshaun Watson, put him in bubble wrap, preserve him for years moving forward Romeo Cornell said vehemently no they weren't going to do that he talked about the idea that if they did that then they should just sit the rest of the team there's no point in in playing that there could be some sort of repercussions from the league uh, if they were going to do something like that if they were possibly thinking about tanking well first of all there's no way to think about possibly tanking unless you're trying to help Chris Greer out in Miami, which obviously I've been rooting against the Texans all year because I want Miami to have the the higher draft picks, but I really, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to sit back and, and think objectively how I feel about this because obviously, like I said, you're playing for nothing more than pride right now, and that's obviously a huge deal. There are only 
very few select humans that have the honor of playing in the NFL. Of course, you want to go out and try to win every single week. I understand that. But when you're talking about Deshaun Watson, you are talking about the face of your franchise. Literally, there aren't too many franchise players in the Houston Texans. J.J. Watt, sure, yes, absolutely. Also getting up there in age, has dealt with injuries. You don't want to see Deshaun Watson face an injury right now that is going to shelf him for, for next year a part of it possibly the entire thing let's say something catastrophic happened he tore his ACL that very well this late in the season could impact his season so late to next year where he gets shut down so I don't know I'm, I'm really really struggling with this obviously Deshaun Watson is having an amazing season and earlier on in the season I predicted that Deshaun Watson was going to have the best statistical season of his career and and it's so weird to think about in a year that the Texans are doing so poorly that it's actually happening like I just I had no idea like I did I did have an idea it's not like I'm just learning about this this week but it's just so nuts to think about a team that's won four games that their quarterback is having career highs and completion percentage passing yards per game touchdown interception ratio passer rating he is just doing a really great job and yet so much about the organization is not doing a great job and that and that stinks especially for an organization that right now doesn't have a head coach or a gm they don't have their first two picks obviously it's real appealing to come in and get a young superstar in Watson, but right now that that franchise does not have a lot of alluring pieces to to get guys to come and to help. So I don't know. It is worth noting that Watson, like I said, best touchdown interception ratio, the last and only pick he's had since week six came against the Colts in week 13. They rattled him in that game. He's been sacked a bunch uh, not just this year, but in his career, he's taken a ton of hits. 164 sacks in four years. That is the fourth most in a player's first 51 games since 1970, ladies and gentlemen. A 50-year span. That is the fourth most. So Watson, and obviously a lot of that is on Watson. He's always trying to extend the plays. We've seen him break sacks and, and make magic happen. I can't even imagine what happened if he hasn't if he didn't break the amount of sacks that he has, what that number would be. But, you know, like I said, I, I, I don't know. I am real kind of conflicted about what I would do with that. I think maybe it comes down to what we see against against the Colts this week. They obviously have a great, great defense that has uh, regressed a little bit the last handful of weeks. But on the flip side, the Colts' offense has been turning it on with Philly Rivers. Um, so we'll see what that defense does, though, against Watson. And maybe if they lose another one, maybe they consider sitting Watson for the final two weeks. I don't know. I would just hate to see the Texans organization, especially, like I said, as they're trying to go out and get that head coach, trying to get that GM. If you lose Watson, you know, why Why does anybody want to go there other for the money and the title of being a, a head coach or a GM? I don't know. It's not appealing. So let's focus on the Colts, though, for a second. The Colts are averaging 
almost 31 points per game since week six. That is the second most in the NFL. So Phillip Rivers, I know we, we picked him as the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Admitted, I should say. Uh, I, I thought they were going to win the division. I teetered a little bit, seeing Philip Rivers struggle at the beginning of the season, but since week six, they have turned it on, and they are doing a great job. Like I said, T.Y. Hilton's been turning it on the last couple of weeks, seeing a resurgence in him, Michael Pittman Jr. They obviously have Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines playing really, really well. They have three great tight ends doing really great. So, you know what? This is definitely not a team that I would want to face in the playoffs. This is a team that I, I'd actually feel extremely confident in the playoffs because of their defense, because of their running game. Those are two key elements that I think are extremely important, and that's a huge shift for me. I was always the offensive-minded guy. You know, it lighted up the Peyton Manning Denver Broncos where they, they broke all the records. I never thought they would lose the Super Bowl to a defensive-minded team like the Seahawks but I think more often than not defense running game win the championship obviously we saw that last year not be true the Kansas City Chiefs were able to outbest a great defense and a great running game with the 49ers but I think that's more so the outlier than not so you know what this Colts team when they punch in their ticket watch out it's a team I'm super confident in a couple more games to highlight for you and this is, this is for, for all essences, a playoff game. The New England Patriots traveling to take on the Miami Dolphins. I think it's a real good thing, though, that this game is in Miami for Miami because the Patriots have a pretty poor winning percentage on the road versus Miami. It's a .45 win percentage, and that is the worst of any opponent in a Belichick era. They struggle when they get down there to Miami. So, possibly a good thing. I'd rather have it that way than traveling up to Foxborough, that's for sure. Talking about that defense, the Miami Dolphins have allowed 21 points or fewer in 9 of 13 games this season. That's the most in the NFL. And obviously, the Dolphins have gotten a lot of credit for their defense, but you know what? I honestly just don't think it's been talked about enough. We talk about the the Pittsburgh Steelers or or the Rams, and but we just we don't talk about the Miami Dolphins. Xavier Howard having an extremely hot season leads the NFL in interceptions this this season with nine. Leads the league in interceptions over the last handful of years, and that's with him missing almost a full season. I believe he's missed fifteen games, and yet he still leads over a. I believe it's a three-year period. He is a ball hawk. It's really exciting to see. We'll see if he can pick off Cam Newton, and that is certainly possible because Cam Newton is one of three quarterbacks with 10-plus interceptions and fewer than 350 pass attempts this season. He joins Drew Locke and Nick Mullins in that category, so he is turning the ball over without throwing the ball a whole lot. So good chance for Xavier Howard or anybody in that Dolphins defense to, to make some plays. Talking about the Miami Dolphins defense, let's talk about the Patriots offense because as well as Miami's doing, like I said, have allowed 21 points or fewer in nine. Well, 
the Patriots are averaging just 21.3 points per game this season, and that is the fewest in a single season since 2000, which was Bilicek's first year as head coach of the New England Patriots. So, you know what? Like, we go back to the classic conversation. Was it Bilicek or was it Brady? Man, after everything this season, I, I still don't know. I don't know. I still really feel pretty passionately that it was Bilicek. I think this is now so more difficult to talk about than ever because this is the first year in so long that they've been separated. But kind of similar to the Gruden offense conversation or point, Belichick has never been the offensive-minded guy. He's a great defensive-minded guy, and there have been games that their defense has tried keeping them in games when their offenses just looked absolutely incapable of doing anything. So, you know, they rattled the Chiefs. They did a good job against Patrick Mahomes uh, earlier on in the season. They have done a good job. They're just such an inconsistent team. It's just really, really strange. So, I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about my boy, Tua Tungavailoa, for a hot second. He has a nine he has nine touchdowns to one interception this season through that interception against the Chiefs. He has had some near misses, some times he's put the ball up, uh, and it's been come down, but has been erased by penalty. But that is the highest touchdown interception ratio by a rookie in NFL history. That's pretty cool. Obviously, he has been slinging it more so the last two weeks than earlier on when he was first taking over had some trading wheels on there but you know what he's been slinging some more so really cool for him just to have accomplished that especially after everything that happened in Alabama and not knowing whether or not he was ever going to play again but we've already talked about that and and given accolades there I'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunities to do so in the future Maybe not so great for Tua, though, is that rookie quarterbacks are 7-21 and versus Bill Belichick in his career, so he knows how to rattle those quarterbacks. We'll see if the intelligence of Tua can take on the intelligence of Bill Belichick. Obviously, I don't want to say outmatch because it's Bill Belichick and Tua the smart kid, but I will, I will not bet against Bill Belichick. I think he will rattle and confuse Tua a little bit. We'll have to see uh, the weapons that are out there for the Miami Dolphins. Like I said, uh, a lot of guys went down against the Chiefs, weren't able to play. It does not look good for Mike Isicki right now, who's obviously been a security blanket for Tua, one of his favorite targets. Uh, Jakeem Grant and Devontae Parker have practiced in a limited fashion thus far this year, so they should be able to go. I don't even honestly know what the running back situation is right now. I think I think they're back, but we'll just have to see. So, but their running game so awful, regardless. So, I don't know. Let's talk about one more game: the Chiefs traveling to take on the Saints. That's a big one. That is a big one. Maybe the return of Drew Brees. I don't know. We'll have to see. So, the Saints have defeated only one team that is currently above 500 this season. That blows my mind. And it was the Buccaneers twice. And in those games, it was, was super convincing. They definitely had the Buccaneers number. But I think about the amazing run that the Saints have gone on. No one's talking about that. Everyone's so quick to jump on the 
the Steelers were having a, a weaker season or the Chiefs were having a weaker season, but no one talks about the Saints having only defeated one team that's above 500. But, you know, I, I, don't, I actually don't like that. I think you only play the schedule that's given to you, and that's all you can do when you take care of business. And so far, the Saints have obviously stubbed their toe a little bit against the Philadelphia Eagles. It doesn't get easier with Patrick Mahomes and company coming down to take on the Saints because Patrick Mahomes is 8-0 and in his career versus top five scoring defenses, which... Uh, the Saints have an amazing defense, so we'll see if if Mahomes takes the first lump of that or if the Saints continue and they start their own little skid. Let's talk about some key players in this game. Alvin Kamara, obviously one of the best running backs in the NFL right now, is, in my opinion, the engine that helps make the Chiefs go. He has had fewer than 100 scrimmage yards in six straight games. That is the longest streak of his career. That's pretty nuts. That's nuts to me. On the flip side, Travis Kelsey talking about a tight end. Obviously, in my opinion, the best tight end in the NFL right now, without a doubt. He has 749 receiving yards over the last six games. So where Kamara has not been playing well the last six games, Kelsey has been. And that is the most by a tight end in a six-game span, in a single season of all time. What? Crazy. That is just amazing. Obviously doing great, great things. He's a tough guy to stop. Tamario Davis, I don't know if you're going to be the guy working on him. You have your work cut out for you. Man. Ooh, the Chiefs have won 10 straight row games. That's the longest streak in franchise history, and it's also the longest active streak in the NFL. So they're not afraid of going on the road. And obviously with a guy like Mahomes, because we have to say Mahomes does everything, with a, a very capable running game, obviously guys like Travis Kelsey who are just doing amazing, amazing things, they don't fear going on the road. Obviously they just win everywhere. And that's what the Chiefs are. I think they're the most dangerous team in the NFL. I think they're going to repeat. I think I said that at the beginning of the season. And I, I feel just as confident now as I did then. Oh, man. I don't love it. I don't want to see a new Pats dynasty. Although, it'd be exciting in some aspects. But I don't necessarily want to see it. But we'll have to just see. Like I said, we can't we can't predict what's going to happen. It's in the NFL any given Sunday type of league so let's see you know what it is time for now and here we go we're gonna do some solo pass picks oh yeah you know i think i did that okay so i was able to take a one game lead on adam thanks to the heroics of lamar jackson right now i lead 23 and 19 adam has 22 and 20 you know what honestly though I have to give mad props to both of us that we've made it to week 15. I guess week 14 is when it fell. Week 14 before one of us hit 20 incorrect predictions. I think that's pretty impressive, personally. So, here are the games. Adam gave me the San Francisco 49ers traveling to take on the Dallas Cowboys as my first game. I am going to roll with the 49ers. I know they have been struggling a little bit as of late Nick Mullins has not been lights out but I think 
like I said, in my opinion, what wins championships is running games and defense, and the defense has obviously taken a large, large hit, but I think they can do a good job of limiting Ezekiel Elliott, who has not obviously had the highlight career year, and I think they can slow down Andy Dalton, and I think the Cowboys' defense is just so bad that Raheem Mostert and and whoever the heck is out there for the 49ers should be able to run and they should be able to score. So I'm going to take the 49ers in that game. The second game he gave me is the Bears taking on the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to take the Bears again. I I am just not the biggest believer in the Minnesota Vikings. I can't say I'm the biggest believer in the Bears, but this is again where I think Matt Nagy really botched the Bears quarterback situation because I can't remember the exact stat off the top of my head, but I think it's something like 24 or 25. And the five starts with Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears have scored over that amount of points. And the seven, I think it's seven games with Nick Foles, they never hit that mark once. I'm not saying Mitch Trubisky is the long-term answer. I don't know if he's even under center in Chicago next year could be somebody that's not even on the roster right now but for this season Mitch Trubisky was the guy being so stubborn about having Nick Foles and keeping Nick Foles huge blotch huge mess up by Nagy but you know what obviously we don't wish injury on anybody but Trubisky was able to get another shot and right now it is working out pretty well I am taking the Bears. I think the defense will once again limit Dalvin Cook like they did in the first meeting. I think Mitch Trubisky will be more effective than Nick Foles was in their first meeting, and they will score some points, just enough points, to win the game. So I'm taking the Bears over the Vikings. And then the Browns at the Giants. Sunday night football, this game got flexed. Uh, I don't remember the last time a Browns game got flexed to primetime, but good for you guys. This one's very, very easy for me. I think Colt McCoy is going to be starting for the Giants. I'm taking the Browns. I think they're going to be really PO'd after their loss against the Ravens, which they played so valiantly. I'm taking the Browns. And they're going to get their 10th win of the season. And as a person that didn't think they were going to win nine, I have to eat my lumps. The Browns have been great this season. Way to be Browns franchise. It's a huge deal. And you should be real, real damn proud. It's a great job. So I took all three road teams this week. I'm a road warrior. I took the 49ers over the Cowboys, the Bears over the Vikings, and the Browns over the Giants. Although the Colt McCoy revenge game's fun. No, it's going to be the Browns. All right, games I gave Adam this Thursday night here in a few hours. The Chargers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. He did take the Raiders in this one. You know, obviously when you get any Chargers game, it's hard to predict. So we'll see if they finally close one out. We'll see if Rod Marinelli gets that defense going. We'll see. It's going to be a real fun game. I'm real, real excited about this game. I think it's going to be a great Thursday night football game to get us prepped going into week 15. He took the Raiders. I gave him the Bucks at the Falcons. He did take the Buccaneers. He sided with Tom Brady. That was a, a little bit of a shocker there. But I think more so it's just his distrust for the Falcons. And after, you know what, I, I, I can't blame him. They're just all over the place. Couldn't couldn't get it done against the Chargers, who won last week in a close one. You know, so 
Obviously, they can win any given week, but I'd probably pick the Bucks too. So, good job. And then uh, the Eagles at the Cardinals. He did take Kyler Murray over Jalen Hurts, so he did pick the Cardinals to win that game. I think this is going to be a super, super fun game. You know what? The Eagles obviously not out of the playoff race just yet. They are still fighting. Uh, obviously, the win against the Saints was a really, really big victory. I'm super fascinated to see what happens with this Eagles franchise moving forward with the conundrum of Carson Wentz. And we have so much to see there, so much to play out. I think Jalen coming in and invigorating the offense a little bit was a really huge deal. But it's also, you know, let's just talk about this game for a hot second while we're on it. And then I'll recap house picks. It wasn't just solely Jalen Hurts, and I think that's a super important thing to note. I think the creativity of the offense was expanded a little bit. Obviously, the Saints had to prepare for a quarterback that they've never prepared for. They didn't have anything other than Oklahoma tape to look at. I think we see things like that all the time. I'll be really fascinated to see how the Cardinals respond. The Cardinals, who are coming off a great defensive performance against the Giants last week, how they respond now to having some semblance of what the Philadelphia offense is going to be with Jalen Hurts. I love the kid. I think he adds a really, really exciting element to the game, and that makes the game more fun. But to say that, look, the the offense moved with with Jalen Hurts and didn't with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is awful. Let's get rid of him. He's washed up. He's no good. Let's just pump brakes on that. We've seen things like this happen before. They added different pieces, different elements to the offense that weren't there under Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is mobile. He can make plays with his feet, but not in the same way that Jalen Hurts does. And he burned the Saints, a team that hadn't given up 100-yard rusher in, I don't know, five years. They gave up two against the Eagles. That's a huge deal. Obviously, one was Miles Sanders, but I feel like you even have to put a little asterisk next to that because one was like a 75-yard scoring run. So when he has 111 yards or whatever on the rest of his carries, they did a pretty good job limiting him. But Jalen Hurts was just consistently hurting the Saints. We'll see how much Cliff Kingsbury and his staff really paid attention to that tape, dissected it, and we'll see if Sean Reddick can come on and, and have another historic game like he did against Daniel Jones and the Giants. So enough on that. Let's recap real quick. Adam took the Raiders over the Chargers, the Bucks over the Falcons, and the Cardinals over the Eagles. That is Pal's picks. Hopefully I continue on with with winning i don't have a lot of wiggle room i'm a little nervous and by a little i mean a lot because i need to get on the winning board adam is two for two i'm over two i don't want to be over anything all right let's talk some fantasy fanatics my guy this week is a guy that turned it on big time seemed to flip a switch especially last week has been coming on stronger and stronger and stronger but definitely flipped a switch last week, and that is Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts. Like I said earlier, they're taking on the Houston Texans, who have a pretty poor run defense. I think Jonathan Taylor is ready to just gallop through that defense, and it's going to score, I think, two touchdowns. I think he's going to be a great fantasy play for you guys as you're in the playoffs. Maybe you're in the loser bracket, but you definitely don't want to be in that last place. So if you have Jonathan Taylor... 
Obviously, you're not going to be not starting him, but if you do, start him with a heck of a lot of confidence. I'm real confident in the kid this week. Fantasy Fanatics. Adam would pick somebody like that we don't know about. So, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a player. Chad Barrows. Barrows. Chad Berries. Is his name Chad? I don't know. Chad Hansen, everybody. Well, I just lost all the credibility. You know what? I made it through an hour without saying something really, really stupid. So, I feel pretty okay. Let's do our friend's fortune. I am going to go to that Philadelphia Eagles-Arizona Cardinals game. And maybe this isn't so outlandish after seeing the way that Jalen Hurts ran so effectively last week. But like I said teams have tape on him now i think in this game we're going to have 175 rushing yards combined between hertz and murray kyler murray hasn't been running quite nearly as much as we saw earlier on this season um, but i do think that these two guys these two young guys from oklahoma are going to combine for 175 we'll see if they get a rushing score it's super easy with murray although that's really been a little calm down lately. He uh, gets down to the one instead of taking himself. He hands it off to Kenyon Drake more so uh, than earlier on in the season, spreading the love to his running backs and giving them those touchdowns versus him having them. So, But I think they're going to have a lot of rushing yards between these two young guns here uh, in Glendale, Arizona. So 175 yards rushing between those two guys come Sunday. All right, everybody, that is all I have for my solo episode. If anybody didn't get the opportunity to wish Adam Rossi a happy birthday, make sure you hit him up. Hit us up on Facebook. Look us up, Simultaneous Catch. We are on iTunes. We're on Podbean. We're on Spotify. Wherever you listen to us, thank you so much for always spending some time with us talking some NFL. We always appreciate it. If you guys want to get involved, we love having people on the show. We love having you guys come on the show to talk to us. We love having your opinions. You can ask us questions for things to talk about. We love having listener interactions. So if you're interested in that, shoot us a comment, shoot us a message, shoot us anything, shoot us a review on iTunes, even if it's negative. No, please don't be negative. We do have some nice reviews on iTunes, and it's always really nice to read. But let us know what you guys think. We want to keep improving for you guys. No one is perfect. We have a lot of room to grow. And really, we're going to continue to learn and grow because of your guys' suggestions and your opinions. So please get involved. Everybody, enjoy week 15. We are coming up on the holiday season. We'll be back next week with Adam for our Christmas episode, which, you know, if you know Adam Rossi at all, Christmas is his his meat and potatoes. He's so darn happy during this time of the season, and it's, and it's wonderful to see. Couple that with the Buffalo Bills doing well, punching their ticket to the playoffs this weekend i'm sure it'll be even better so we'll be in store for a great episode coming forward everybody with everything going on around the country right now the pandemic continuing to grow and to get crazy just stay safe hunker down listen to simultaneous catch enjoy nfl football stay safe stay happy we are sending you good vibes everybody thank you so much for joining me today I hope you've enjoyed it. Enjoy week 15 of the NFL. And on behalf of Mr. Rossi, God bless.